Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm John Schofield, producer for Special Productions. Joining us today is Raytheon Missile and Defense's Abel Ganuni, the Senior Director leading short-range air defense and rapid development programs. Abel's portfolio includes a variety of sensors and weapon systems to detect, engage, and defend against counter unmanned aerial systems, also known as counter UAS. That's what we'll discuss over the next 10 or so minutes. Abel? Your portfolio of programs includes the Coyote counter unmanned aerial systems, among others. Uh, describe how Raytheon sees the current CUAS challenge for the U.S. and its allies. And just to add to that, my portfolio also includes the, the Curse Radar, which is a major piece of the you know, counter UAS system that we call LIDS today that we've worked with the U.S. Army on. So with regards to the counter UAS challenge um, that we see today, I mean, it's a it's a threat that's been been around for a little while now. You know, we started kind of working with the Army back in the 2016 time frame, and, and we've been seeing these small UAS threats kind of proliferate, be used more and more over the course of the last, you know, five to six plus years. Um, the threat is here. And one of the things that that we've been seeing, it's it's very easily accessible to acquire these low cost threats. These threats are are small, can be deployed pretty much anywhere, and um, they're difficult to see and difficult to keep track on. And so, uh, we've learned a lot about these threats over the years as we've been developing capability. We've seen adversaries use them in in integrated and complex manners. Uh, for example, in the Middle East, uh, a few years ago, there was a, a group of these small UASs that were integrated with a cruise missile attack. If you look at that from a ground-based air defense standpoint, it could be very difficult for one single system to take out both the UASs and the cruise missiles. You need a, a ground-based air defense system-of-systems type architecture where you have the ability to see not only just these small UASs, but you know cruise missiles or or RAM targets, and then effectors to be able to neutralize to take out each one of these. You know, in the, the UAS game or the counter UAS game, what we've seen is there isn't kind of a single bullet or single system where you really need kind of a layered defense to combat these small UASs. You know, you look at the Army's LIDS capability, for example, it includes the Curves radar, which has the ability to, to sense at, at long ranges these small UASs, you've got FADC2, which is Northrop Grumman's command and control, a uh, Coyote Block 2, a Fector, and an EW system. And so when we talk about layered defense for counter UAS, you've got the Block 2 effector that can go out to, to long ranges and, and take things out. Uh, but you also want to make sure that you have a capability to take out potential leakers that come in at, at, at shorter ranges. And so you know, we talk about is not one kind of single bullet, a layered counter UAS defense. Those are some of the challenges that we're seeing and some of the kind of responses to the challenges that uh, we've been working with the Army on. So you mentioned the challenges and, and UAS seems to be very ubiquitous. What, what specific tech does Raytheon bring to this problem set, both on the radar side and on the interceptor side? So our curves radar, which, you know, was originally designed about 10 years ago for the counter RAM mission and was essentially repurposed and reused for this counter UAS mission due to its, you know, tremendous capability. So, you know, it's best in class radar within its class. It's got persistent 360 degree sensing, you know, with precision, which is what you need for this specific mission set. You know, it has the ability to detect and track with low drop track rates and, and low false alarm rates. 
uh, which is significantly important because, you know, false alarms is always a, a difficult thing to have when you're in a, you know, an environment where potentially many things could be flying at you. So uh, you want to make sure that you're detecting and tracking everything that's out there versus things popping up on the screen that you don't know if it's real or not. It's got, you know, significant accuracy and it really enables low cost weapons like the Coyote. And, and we talk about cost because these small UAS threats are COTS type or can be COTS and bought online and, and very cheap to buy and, and use. And so you want to make sure that your effector you know, you're not using a million dollar effector to take out a thousand dollar drone, right? And so having a radar um, with precision allows you to get use a, a low cost effector to support the mission set. And on the Coyote side, we've been working with the Army back in 2016, 2017 timeframe over the course of the last five, six years. And, and, and Coyote was really specifically designed for this counter UAS mission set. So from what I know, it's the only missile that's been designed today with the U.S. Army for this mission. Uh, we had the ability to start with essentially a clean sheet of paper with all the knowledge that we knew about the threat set, you know, taking that information and making trades and design trades to, to account for costs, but to account for the ability to combat this threat, but also ensuring that we had a roadmap and the ability to continue to improve and upgrade the system based off of where, where we thought the threat would go in the future. So two-part question here. Um, what lessons learned have you seen from the war in Ukraine? You know, has there been anything that, that you've observed that you didn't expect? And then based on those lessons learned, how do you see the tech changing in the next five to 10 years? Or how does it need to change in order to adapt? The war in Ukraine, just because it's now and it's here today, it's at the forefront of, of everyone's minds. But, you know, looking at it, as I mentioned before, that this threat has been around for a while. And, you know, there's been a lot of analysis on how, you know, small UASs have been used over the course of the last, you know, five plus years. And so I don't think we've been seeing anything new in terms of how it's being used in Ukraine. I just think that the public and people that are paying attention to it are kind of seeing it maybe for the first time and trying to understand how they're using it. And so we've seen how these have been used in the past. We've taken kind of the information. I think for us is, is continuously digesting uh, the intelligence and the information and analyzing it and, you know, integrating and incorporating them into our models uh, to further understand kind of what the future looks like with, with small UASs. And then, you know, aligning our tech roadmaps and our roadmaps going forward in terms of developing capabilities or developing technologies um, to combat these threats in the future. You ask, how, how do you see the tech change in the next five to 10 years? I mean, you know, I'm sure you're, you're well aware of all the, the things going on on the front with lasers and directed energy and, and high-powered microwaves. Those are technologies that are, have been developed on Raytheon's side with regards to, you know, Raytheon's higher-energy laser, our sister company, Raytheon Intelligence in Space, has um, you know developed and deployed a you know 10 kilowatt. Right now, they're working on a 50 kilowatt uh, laser where they're integrated with with our Curves mobile Curves radar on the Striker vehicle for a program called DEM Shored with the Army to not only combat small UASs but mortar targets as well. And so, you know, I think on on the D front, on the effector front, we're going to see more tech changing and evolving on those types of capabilities to be able to, you know, potentially counter swarms and things like that. Um, I think on the radar side, you're gonna see improvements on radars that can sense with precision of these small UASs 
at longer ranges and, and high altitudes and uh, potentially see missiles or missile upgrades on, on say, Coyote that can kind of align to, to those radars capabilities. And then the other piece, you know, it's really, you know, as I mentioned before, I feel like counter UAS is really just a small piece of the ground-based air defense architecture. And so I think in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see more and more play to, to integrate counter UAS capabilities, which is a, a short range air defense capability into the larger ground-based air defense architecture. You know, you look at it, you look at a lid system that is specific for counter UAS and potentially integrate that with say a NASAMS, which is a medium range air defense program um, capability or a Patriot, which is a long range air defense capability. And so if you had a Patriot and a NASAMS and a LIDS, now you have a short range, medium range, long range, you know, true ground-based air defense architecture and capability to be able to combat multiple different threat sets. So with that in mind, and, and that's an impressive laundry list of things that are coming down the future. And we always like having, you know, the smart people in the room look through the, uh, the looking glass and tell us what's coming. What, what message would you leave, you know, current leaders, both in defense and appropriations, about the need for further investment in counter UAS? You know, my message would be continue to invest in the, in the capability and the technology because, you know, we're just scratching the surface on what the threat set has in their hands, in their arsenal. They're, they're learning. They're learning quickly. They're adapting, figuring out ways to use the UAS capability in the fight. And for us, it's, you know, continuously analyzing and upgrading our current systems to combat those threats. I think the other piece of it is looking at the .mil PF aspect of it. And so the DOD did a great job in, in investing in technology for counter UAS, uh, investing in the procurement of counter UAS capabilities and deploying it. Now the Army and the services are catching up on the .mil PF aspect of it, which is the doctor and the organization, training, logistics, disainment. And so really trying to understand, all right, we've got this capability. What is kind of the... The, the next steps, the steps that usually in an acquisition type program, you know, normal JSIDs program, they would do up front. Well, now they're trying to catch up with, with the training logistics piece of it. And so I think for me, it's, it's investing in, in that to make sure it's catching up to the capabilities that have been developed and, and deployed worldwide. I think the other piece, just hardware, uh, you know, there's significant, significant demand for this capability worldwide. There's a need for it there's not enough hardware to go around. And so we saw in, in FY22 uh, an uptick in, in procurement dollars to procure more hardware. And FY23, uh, we're seeing an uptick as well. And so continuing to keep that budget and continuing the procurement of, of these capabilities so that you know we can deploy them out to the different COCOMs who, who really need them. Well, we're sure that you'll deliver that message to uh, the Army and Army leaders at AUSA uh, going forward. Um, as we go out, Abel, is there anything you want to add about uh, the value that Raytheon brings to this battle space? We've been in this game for a while now. We're very knowledgeable on the small UAS threat and what's needed to combat these threats. We've been working you know, very closely with, with our Army customer you know, and, and industry partners to advance the capabilities. And so... You know, we'll continue to keep that relationship with, with the Army as well as our industry partners and uh, continue to evolve to support our warfighters out there. And um, the other piece that I, that I don't think I mentioned is, you know, it's not only just the United States who needs this capability, right? It's, it's our international allies that, that really need it. 
and there's significant demand out there. And so we've been working in concert with the Army to support some efforts with, with our international allies as, as they want to procure this capability as well. This was Abel Ganuni, the Senior Director, leading short-range air defense and rapid development programs for Raytheon Missiles and Defense. Abel, thank you so much for joining the Defense and Aerospace Report, and we look forward to talking to you about this very important topic later on. Thanks, John. I appreciate your time.